0: Creative Connectors, a podcast for curious minds. My name's Vicky Keeler, and I'll be chatting to the makers and creators who aim to connect and inspire through the platform of festivals. We'll be delving into how they show up in the world, why they do what they do, their journey, inspiration, and everything in between. So sit back and enjoy the chat, because who knows where these conversations are going to go. And if this is your kind of podcast, please subscribe, follow, share with friends, and get involved and give some feedback. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking to Pat Holmes, who is the founder of The Hammock Temple and Poems for Trade. Welcome on to the show, and thanks for coming on for a chat, Pat.
1: No worries, Vicky. Thanks for having me.
0: I think a really great place to start would be, I guess, your connection to festivals. I know that you're very embedded in the community prior to the Hammock Temple. So it'd be great to talk about that journey and and how the um, inception of the Hammock Temple came about.
1: I guess if I'm to speak about that journey, I might as well start at the start being my first connecting to festivals when I was a teenager. And originally, it was the day uh, day festivals around Melbourne City. And to be honest, when I started going to those, I was jumping the fence as well and sneaking in and just getting there by all means, no matter what, like that I wouldn't allow anything to stop me. For me, those were the funnest things that those was, was possible to do. Um, and it, was, uh, it wasn't it was until a few, after a few years of going to those that I became aware of um, the other types of festivals that were going on. Uh, a little a little bit out of Melbourne um, in the bush and uh, my first one of those was strawberry fields 2011 and yeah I feel like in a huge way the trajectory of my life took a massive turn just by going to that first festival just by entering this space where I could actually sleep over and stay and it didn't end in one day. You know, I could pack and bring whatever I wanted to bring, whatever I wanted to play with and, you know, spend time with a a crew of friends in this, like, adult playground where we're completely free and there's no rules. Yeah, and I feel going to that Initially, it just opened my eyes and I just felt um, mesmerized and, and captured by this feeling of like, wow, this is like real freedom. I'm here. I can express myself. I can be whoever I want. I had no challenge with like showing up as my full self, considering that there was all sorts of wacky characters lurking around and, and um, dressing up. And, you know, I remember for the first time ever, I saw a man in a dress with red lipstick in, and hula hooping. And I just, <laughs> at that time in my life, that was the most random thing for me to ever see and then you know fast forward five years and I'm that guy um
0: how did that then lead you to think up the hammock temple because you know it's a big a big leap to be going from festivals to then be building something in a space where people can you know enjoy themselves and relax at a festival so so what brought you to that conception I guess
1: it was after like many years of like really involving myself with that scene. And um, in the same way that, that I was with those first day festivals that I first discovered, it became the same way with the bush ones, where it was if any of them were on, I had to be there. And it was just kind of my purpose in life. That was where I found my belonging and that's where I found my, my meaning was to be at these festivals and to be interacting with people and offering my character. And. Um, yeah, I suppose, like, after a number of years of doing that and feeling like I was contributing to something and um, reconnecting with these these groups of people that would be doing the same thing at each one and building this sense of family and belonging and community, I felt um, more and more that I wanted to contribute something um, more obvious, more clear than just my, my character alone. And, um, yeah, I, I, I remember hearing from a friend, my friend Stevie told me of a conversation he had with his friend Dwayne and we are at a festival called Stereosonic which we'd road tripped up from um, from Melbourne to, to maybe even Queensland I think or, or just North New South Wales. Dwayne kind of asked Stevie why I'm still paying to go to festivals if like it's what I'm always doing anyway and, and that when Stevie shared that with me it kind of triggered this like... Um, this realization in me of like wow this is actually this is what I do like I'm not getting paid to do it but this is what I do this is my passion this is my hobby and it started to get my brain to tick about like well why am I still paying for tickets why why aren't I doing something more like just showing up to the dance floor and being a character and having a lot of fun and knowing everybody didn't feel enough for me after I heard that that after that inception Mm. kind of built into my mind and then it was from that point that I started really thinking like well what can I do what can I create what is it that I can bring unique and and special to these already amazing um, experiences for everybody so my brain started to like think and and um, ponder on that I guess and like you know it was a lot of inspiration and like dreaming and it wasn't like I was sitting down trying to think of something or trying to come up with something but often I'd think like oh maybe I'll do that and um Yeah, with the Hammock Temple, it wasn't until a festival uh, at Confest, I think in either 2000, yeah, in 2017 or 16. In fact, I think start of 2017 that I um, I was at a festival called Confest and I'd had a a big weekend and Confest is a a festival where you have all sorts of experiences and a lot goes on there. And um, for me, I'd, I'd had a, yeah, I had an acid trip on i think it was the sunday and the idea came to me on the monday that after a night's sleep and after a rest and then the next day i'm kind of like feeling you know the the day after acid vibes where i'm just like i just want to go and be on my own i just want to go and relax somewhere and just process what i've been through and so i found a really nice comfy spot on the uh the side of the murray river where someone had already set up a hammock and i climbed into the hammock and i just went into my own space and sat with um all hung with myself um reflecting and processing what I've been through that weekend and and the, particularly the day before in my trip and kind of just like went off into my into my thoughts about it all and then as I'm like like hanging there in that space a group of people sat down right by the hammock and started jamming and jamming isn't like a rare occurrence at Confest. In fact, pretty much every, everywhere you walk, there's a group of people jamming. But it was really beautiful the way that the group of people found the same spot that I'd found and started playing music that just like matched with the exact vibe that I was on. And that, that music kind of carried me away with my thoughts and kind of lifted me out of that space and, um, yeah, the, the way I kind of described it to people, it's like a float tank experience without the water. And, and instead of a tank, it's a hammock. And the, the music worked as, like, kind of the guide that kind of took me off for a little while and kind of gave me this, um, this experience which just felt really uh, uplifting and kind of soothing to, to where I was at in that moment. And when I kind of returned to that hammock and returned to my body, in a sense, I, I was just, like wow that was really cool lying in a hammock and having live music played to you how amazing oh I know that's what I'll do I'll create this for people at festivals and then my brain just started like coming up with all these designs and like oh so I'll have six hammocks spanning off from one pole and like a live band on the side and it just like it just developed from there basically I I wrote down that idea in my journal and I kind of drew some little pictures and then I kind of thought about it for a while and as many ideas do they come and then you like put them away because for whatever insecurity you think maybe it won't work or maybe I'm I wouldn't be able to make it happen or whatever the whatever the thought is that um, pushed me to put it down for a while but I put it down for a while and then I returned to it maybe six months later when I was flicking through my journal and I thought oh actually this is a really great idea I'm just going to go for it and um yeah, I seen a seen a woman at the time. Her name's Alison, She's the first girl I ever fell in love with, and her being in my life at that time was also a great motivator. Because when I kind of brought that topic back up, she believed in me and believed I could do it, and she kind of gave me a push too, and was like, "Yeah, go for it." And so I I needed that. I needed that push. I needed that belief. Um, and from that point, I like I really started pushing for it, and it just it developed and grew from there.
0: Yeah, amazing. It's, it's incredible how much self belief, I think, holds people back from bringing ideas to fruition. I know I sat on, you know, the idea of this podcast for a very long time. And Mm. I was just like, I felt like it was needed, but I just didn't give myself the space or the kind of like push to do it. And it is amazing that, you know, you can have other people that can bring you that confidence. But in the end, you have to find it in yourself to Mm -hmm. really drive something and, and bring it home. Um. I love as well that, um, I guess just for context, the reason you sprang to mind for this podcast is because I have a Hammock Temple sticker on my pen pot. (laughs) Um, And I was like, oh, it's staring me in the face. I should speak to Pat. And yeah, I love the fact that that sticker and your logo is a representation of the blueprint of the Hammock Temple. For anybody who's not experienced the Hammock Temple, do you want to describe... Um, yeah, what, what you're trying to create with that and what they would expect to experience if they came across it at a festival?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose, yeah, going off that last story, initially uh, what I wanted to design and create with it was a space for sound journeys and soundscapes, a space where people could escape from the um, sometimes chaotic uh, energy of a festival and find a place to have solitude and peace and um prop themselves in a hammock or find a nice space on the floor and just have um live musicians playing you know ethereal down down tempo relaxing beautiful soundscapes to them where they can just like zone out for a little while and reconnect with themselves um so that was the initial idea and then as the idea developed and grew it became so much more with the kind of the way in the design process we realized oh we can have the hammocks on carabiners so they can be easily detachable which will open up the space for other activities we'll have a stage in the middle which can be used not just for musicians but presentations and so now the hammock temple offers or the experience you can expect if you walk into the hammock temple at any given festival is um just a space for like nurture or learning or escape or connecting like it's a, it's kind of that in between space you can passively uh receive a workshop or you or you could just be fully involved in a workshop or you could be taking time to sit down and you know chat with friends or taking time to just be on your own and read a book yeah or just like even offer something you know it's it's kind of like the community hub i feel like it's got a real heartbeat sense to it it's um the place for the development nurture expansion um yeah kind of like a womb like a womb space i guess um yeah nice yeah without being corny <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i kind of think like when you're in a hammock it's a bit like that isn't it because yeah. you're all cocooned and you sort of like have that nice soft sway which i'm sure is kind of likened to being in the womb yeah um is that something that you think festivals need to have more of um more of these kind of spaces for people to land and um i guess take time out for themselves or with friends
1: yeah for sure i think it's really important for that because there's just so much going on at a festival and um yeah and in a lot of ways like it, it can be a bit misguiding. Um, there's, not, there's not a whole deal of education or role models, role modeling, like, or space for role models to be heard. And um, it, the reality is that the festivals have now drawn uh, more majority of crowds to be younger, younger festival goers who haven't really had the older festival goers to kind of show them the way like it used to be. And it's now just like a kind of a popular thing. So there's just a lot of people like a huge influx of that and a space like the hammock temple offers uh, uh, a place where people can discover by accident or be brought to by somebody else or or seek out for 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 searching of that kind of um offering and so what it gives is a space where people can you know have a moment in between all of the other chaotic and and full-on moments and if there isn't really that space you can you can just drive yourself into the dirt, you know. Like if you're if you're not getting good rest at your campsite because there's loud people at the other campsite, or the people you're with are, are just super loud and they just partying nonstop then where do you go to get your rest? And Mm. where do you go to process something big that's happened for you if there's nowhere, like, nurturing and comfortable and um, welcoming, like the hammock temple or other spaces that are available at festivals? If there's not... If these spaces aren't there, it's just, like, you're just getting overloaded with a lot of stuff. And I don't know what other people's experience is like, but when when I was younger, I was taking a lot of drugs and the, the car ride home just used to be, like quiet and uncomfortable because we were all just like had so much shit going on and so much to process and and not the brain capacity for it and i feel that like it's a nice it's a nice idea to kind of have like a stop a pit stop you know at a few times throughout the festival just to kind of like all right cool lots has happened how do I feel about this how do I feel about that take time to write take time to read take time to just relax and then like charge up your batteries and go out and have another dance
0: yeah it's a marathon right it's not totally yeah
1: exactly exactly
0: (laughs) especially when it's like three or four days exactly
1: and not only that not only in the sense of like just like taking care of yourself in that way but also like festivals are some of the places where people are the most open and the most willing to receive and the most like malleable you know most liminal to to develop grow and expand and if you're just like getting psytrance downloads into your body it can kind of shake up your system and you know if your if your culture is to take lots of drugs it can shake up your system and even if it's not like it's nice to to if you're in that state of of being liminal and open and, and willing to receive for there to be like an emphasis and a base for offering knowledge and offering growth and skills and um, different ideas or ways of thinking. And so the Hammock Temple serves that purpose too. It's like it's a space that you can go and leave with something like real obvious to, you know, clip onto your tool belt. Mm. Mm.
0: And, yeah, I guess with that, what what kind of role do you see festivals playing in culture and society today and and why do you think that people are so drawn to going to festivals you know both you and me went to festivals year on year and th- there's an addiction almost to them mm. um but from your perspective what is that um i guess desire or what is that purpose that they play um
1: yeah i guess first thing that comes to my mind when i think about what the desire is is life in modern society is just so regimented and rigid and structured and i think the main desire is just like freedom and just a space to just live by your own clock follow your own adventure and just be free i think i think that's like the biggest desire it's just like you can really just like arrive at a festival and just like take a huge big sigh and just be like, all right, the next four days are for me and I, I can do whatever I want with them. And that is, um, yeah, that's a huge desirable quality, especially being that, you know, it's in our evolution and in our nature that like we've kind of come from a less rigid and less structured way of living and, and a more organic flow. And now that, um, you know, we're born into this like, this structured society it, it still feels a bit against our our human nature and so mm-hmm. to to go somewhere and feel free for four days is just um yeah really really capturing and something that i think that people just need people need that people need to feel free of their mind and and it's a good space to get out of your mind and be in the present and be in the moment and there's so many Moments that are just like passing you and passing you and passing you and passing you and so it's, it's almost hard to get in your mind You know, it's, you're not going to be thinking about the shit You're thinking about in your normal day-to-day life when you're in the city living in, and doing your five-day-a-week job you're not going to be like stressing or worrying about all that stupid shit that you stress and worry about when there's just like someone juggling and walking past you and then someone offering you watermelon and then, you know, someone dressed crazy dancing on top of a stack of speakers. You know, you're just like you're so there and you're so caught up and entertained with what's going on in reality and in front of you that you're not going to be sitting there scrolling through Instagram because you're bored and you don't know how to be in the moment, you know? So Mm. I think that that's like that's what really brings people to these things. Um yeah I think yeah to answer your question I think that's what's like what's bringing people there that's the desire or or one of the main ones
0: it's amazing how when you think at the end of a day at a festival or when you're kind of reflecting on the day that's just gone the amount that happens in one day at a festival you're like I feel like I've just had a year's worth of activity just in one day. And to your point, it is kind of like a sensory overload. Mm. But some of those can just be the tiniest interaction, but they land a lot deeper with you. Mm. You know, like even if it is somebody offering you a watermelon, For some reason, it really resonates and I think connects on a bit of a deeper level because you are at that festival and you're open to receiving Mm. and seeing things a bit differently. So, yeah, it always blows my mind when I I sit back after a festival and I'm just like, three days, I'm like, it feels like it's just been months of things that have Mm. just happened in a short space of time. Um, In terms of the future of... The Hammock Temple, um, mm-hmm. do you see it remaining as it is? Do you want to evolve it? How do you want to grow it?
1: Um, yeah, I definitely want it to evolve and grow with time. And in some ways it has, like it has over the three years of its, of its existence, it's really developed and grown. The idea, the original concept, like it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And then in some ways it's gotten smaller with another development that happened this year or last year. Um, by creating the Hammock Fractal, which is like a little baby-sized Hammock Temple. It just doesn't have a stage in the middle. It's got 12 hammocks coming from a centre point and it's um, and the, pole, the roof is much shorter. And so that's an, ev- uh, an evolution of the original Hammock Temple is this Hammock Fractal, which means that I can put it on a trailer and drive it around with just one car and not need a whole crew of people to set it up. It's something that can be, you know, a lot more manageable and affordable for smaller festivals, but also um, potentially set up in inner-city kind of events or... Uh, things yeah, like nice. that so that's one thing i, I really want to get the hammock fractal um in circulation and and also um train up a crew of boys or or, or humans women as well if, if they're down for the for the project or want to be involved just um to learn how to set it up and all of that stuff i've already got a few people that have done a few builds and um and learned learnt the skills and learned the process but yeah just to have a, a group of people that are um knowing and how to do it and then you know let them let them take it and set it up at spaces and and i can continue doing other things i did the creation of it and that's the creative part but now it's kind of like just repetition now it's just building the same Mm -hmm. thing each time and so i want to i want to kind of get into different things more like stage management and booking of the the workshops and whatever goes in and on in there that's something I'd really like to get my hands on because then that's new experiences for me to develop and new skills for me to learn of managing the space and and booking a space and I've done a little bit of that in the past but that's something I'd really like to kind of um offer as well in the package of if you hire the hammock temple sure you're going to get the structure but you can also like hire me to manage and and cater the and um curate the space as well yeah. yeah,
0: well, it makes complete sense, I think, for, like you say, um, to be the individual that's curating what happens in that space to mm. make sure that it feels really authentic and it is, you know, serving the purpose that you originally wanted it to serve. Mm. Um did you, prior to obviously building the hammock Temple, did you have experience in like architecture or carpentry or did you just learn all that? <laughs> like, did did you know what you were doing or were you just like, I've got this idea and I'm just going to try and learn all the skills that I need for it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like that. Um, I didn't have any carpentry skills. I didn't. Um, yeah, I had no experience in any of that stuff, really um i yeah i just had the idea and i started drawing it and and to give example or context of how little i knew about that stuff my original designs were to use bamboo poles instead of um treated pine poles which just wouldn't have worked and my original idea as well was to not have it rigged to the ground but to have all the poles connected by metal poles and thinking it would be freestanding and I I even met with an engineer and he's like that's just not going to work and I was like all right I'm going to find a different engineer because I think it will work and then the second engineer was like that's just <laughs> not going to work and I'm like all right cool second opinion I believe you now all right what can we do um so yeah uh, Aiden Aiden Bayer who does the roofs and um is the runner of Tetric Structures He was one of the first people I met with, and he often jokes about how when I first turned up, I just had a piece of paper with like 18 dots on it, because that's what I thought. I was like, "There'll be a pole here, 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 and it just looked like 18 dots." And he's like, "How are you going to do it?" I'm like, "Bamboo." He's like, "No, not going to work." And I just kind of like just had to reach out to all the people in their individual fields, and they kind of had to tell me how it was going to work, and it just developed from there. It went from. Aiden and then to Brenton, who was the engineer, and then to steel manufacturers and then yeah, it just kept um kept evolving, I guess. And yeah, I just kind of got dad involved as well, which I haven't mentioned um in this conversation. But yeah, Dad was a big part to play in the creation of it as well. He was very organized and calling all the right people and organizing the right meetings. And um yeah, it was kind of like uh we both were just figuring it out along the way. And um the, the figuring it out continued like years into the existence, like to the point that like setting up the floor plan for the hammock temple has been different every single time. And every single time it gets a little bit better. But I even said, I said it along the way, I've said it many times, I'm just like, man, if one of us was a mathematician, we would have figured how to do this in like, you know, (laughs) half an hour, but like sometimes it takes like three hours just to do the floor plan, sometimes longer actually. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's figuring it out along the way, which is kind of part of the excitement, I guess.
0: Yeah, part of the process. Mm. Um, were there any like major challenges other than having to learn a lot? Are there mm. any yeah major challenges that you face working with festivals or then trying to take the fractal hammock iteration outside of festivals?
1: Yeah, the challenge that comes into mind was the first build we did at uh, Rainbow Serpent we're, so part of the part of the build of the hammock temple is we have base plates that we put the poles in that get pegged into the ground. So we don't actually have to dig holes for the poles, which is part of the charm of the hammock temple because it means we don't have to dig holes. But in the first build, we didn't realize how hard it would be to get those pegs in. So we bought sledgehammers and, and we spent like a whole day putting in half of the pegs and just like it just wasn't going to work. Um, and then some more seasoned festival uh, operators came with a jackhammer and they started putting it in with a jackhammer and then so uh, in the early days we also did a, a gofundme and the gofundme raised money for us to buy our own jackhammer bigger problems that have come up is like sometimes we haven't had the right um certificates or you know uh, I'm i'm so inexperienced with this like legal mumbo jumbo that i can't even think of the <laughs> right words for it but just we haven't had the right right bits of paper sometimes, you know, so that's gotten in the way and it's been like, you know, a month before this festival that really wants us and we're really trying to get the right bit of paper and the right bit of paper doesn't arrive on time. But other than that, like, not really any huge, huge roadblocks or anything like that, just um, just a process that, you know, took hook turns at times that we weren't expecting but, you know, got, got there in the end anyway.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a nice organic journey. Yeah. Um, I know that you've mentioned before that there is a doco in the making or that has, has that been finished yet around the Hammock Temple?
1: Yeah, actually I was just on the phone to a friend before this call, um, Noah Falalawi, who's uh, a bit of a character in the scene as well. He's going to be doing the music for it. Um, So the doco itself, all the editing, all the filming, which is done by Sabine, who... um, manages her film company called film catcher it's all done so the the whole cut's ready to go it just needs the music put with it um and that has been getting filmed since the inception of it so when i had the original idea and i was like going out of my mind crazy with the future and I was like wow this is huge this is the best idea ever everybody's gonna love this this is gonna be so big for me this is gonna be so big for everyone it's just gonna grow I was like I have to document this I just thought like I needed to document it even if it didn't get to that level that I was expecting it to just to like kind of have that process captured for me to just like reflect on because I knew I knew I was like stepping into something that was going to be big for me um, and so I reached out to Sabine and Sabine, like, shared, uh, shared a passion for the intention of the vision and, and um, felt like she, it was something she wanted to be involved with. So she came along to meetings with the engineer, Brenton, and came along to, you know, to, she, she was the one who filmed the GoFundMe um, clip with me and dad talking. And, yeah, it just kind of captured scenes along the way, like building it, all the stuff that's gone on inside it, the opening ceremony um, at the launch all these things Sabine has kind of been tagging along for and in a huge way she's been a, a big part of the Hammock Temple's journey because she's been with, with it since, since before it was in the physical realm and it was just an idea. And um, yeah, just kind of like got the last shots for that at our Esoteric this year, which was the last festival that we've done. And, um, and yeah, she's during, during this Corona season, uh, taken the time to, um, complete it, edit, edit it together, put it together. She's back and forth with me a few times in the emails and we kind of scrubbed it up to a 30, 30 minute, um, feature documentary about the creation story of the hammock temple.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And so where are you going to be like, where's that going to air and where will people be able to watch it?
1: Um, haven't really gotten there yet, um, but I imagine what we will do is we might just like once once all this lockdown business is over, um, maybe have a little event where, I don't know, I, like loose idea brainstorming right now, maybe have a little event which can raise money for something as well as um, bring the people who have been involved with the Hammock Temple along the journey, um, all together, plus, you know, other people who want to witness and we can just, yeah, do a premiere in a nice little intimate, intimate gathering sometime, someplace. And then, yeah, little little Hammock
0: Temple celebration.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Something, something along those lines. And something I've been intending to do since the start is make Hammock Temple t-shirts. So maybe that's where I'll finally have Hammock Temple t-shirts available to give to all the friends who have helped out along the way. And, um, yeah, it would be a really nice way to give back. Um, and like a, like a four years later, everyone gathered together to kind of share in that. Um, so yeah, I think that's how we'll do it. And then it will be viewable online for sure.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Well, let me know when you've got a link. We'll share it.
1: Yeah. Well, you're part part of the Hammett Temple story now, so you'll be there.
0: Well, exactly. There (laughs) you go. I'll be definitely repping a t-shirt. I love all the (laughs) geometric shapes on the sticker.
1: Um,
0: yeah. I mean, the Hammock Temple isn't the only way that you show up. You've obviously got poems for trade. Um, mm-hmm. How did that come about? Was that at the same time as Hammock Temple or before?
1: Uh, I guess you could say that's that's been during Hammock Temple, I think. No, actually, you know what, that started kind of before Hammock Temple as well, around the same time, actually, in the same kind of time period. And the way that that started was uh, I was... Um, it was the day that I was going to Rancho Relaxo, which is organised by Vision Hound, um, out in the Mornington Peninsula, and they put on these extravagant parties of decadence and funky, awesome music. And um, yeah, that morning I was walking in Fitzroy uh, on Nicholson Street, and I came across like um, the front of a house, and they were like getting rid of some of their stuff. So they'd put out like a table with a bunch of things that they were just, you know, decluttering. And I was just making my way across the table, picking up and putting down books, looking at their china, looking at their toys. I was just like, oh yeah, interesting. You know, I'm I'm always down to have a little stop and browse. And then I got to this like case on the end of the table which was like just like a weird shape. I'm like, that's not a suitcase. That's something else. And so I popped in the two buttons and lifted it up, and this orange typewriter just glistened out of the inside of this case, which like instantly caught my attention and just all the shiny bits and pieces. And just thought it was a beautiful, beautiful old school thing and a you know a time travel to the past. And um, yeah, I just like I grabbed it and I took it with me. And then I was at this Rancho Relaxo party. And um, to be honest, at that time in my life, I was still partying and taking a lot of drugs and drinking. And I got to a point in the in, the, in that weekend where I just run out of things, and I was just like, ah. Oh, so now what do I do? Like, how do I keep going? How do I keep up? And I thought, oh, I know. I'll go get my typewriter, and I'll set it up on the dance floor, and I'll trade poems for drugs or drinks or whatever anything else people want to offer me and yeah like that's the transparent honest creation story of that project I I initially I made a sign that said poems for trade I set up at the front of the dance floor and people came up and they gave me bumps of this or bumps of that or a drink or bought me a cocktail or this or that and then eventually it was just like people were just bringing me random objects someone dug up a pumpkin from the garden and they gave me a pumpkin for a poem someone gave me some garlic someone gave me some underwear um sabine actually (laughs) sabine the woman who uh filmed the documentary she actually gave me these arm warmers like these like glove slash arm warmers which were like made with some merino wool or something beautiful and comfortable and she told me the story of where they came from which i've forgotten now so sorry sabine and sorry i've also lost those arm warmers too so if you're listening apologies but (laughs) they were pretty precious arm warmers and i gave her a pretty precious poem for them and um I guess from that point on I kind of bought that because it was like my new little party trick I was like oh I do poems on the spot for people so I brought it to a few other parties and then it was um at Confest I had it at this like little jam session and I was like just typing poems for people on the spot and someone spilled wine on it and it got a bit sticky and the 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 little bits weren't like flicking the way they were supposed to and so I kind of just left it at home for a while thinking like oh I'm gonna have to get it cleaned and that's gonna be a bit of a process and wasn't sure whether I'd be able to figure it out myself. Didn't know if there was a typewriter person. Looked them up on the internet. Couldn't find anyone that could clean or fix typewriters. And then I bumped into someone who knew about this guy called Carl who fixed the typewriters out of Carlton. And um, I got in touch with him and he, and he serviced the typewriter and, like, um, restocked all the ink or the ink ribbons. And I kind of had it again. And, um... I wasn't sure what I'd do with it, but I, you know, it was nice to have an operating typewriter again. And then a woman named Yells was um, doing some uh, entertainment bookings for an event called, um, uh, I can't even remember. So sorry about that. But yeah, she booked me to do poems for trade at this event, and then I kind of like it resparked that um, that fire in me, and I was like, oh my god, someone just booked me to do this. I'm not just doing it for fun. Okay, maybe that's something I can do too. So it just became another offering that I felt that I could arrive with and 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 provide and kind of a fun way to interact with people. And um, yeah, I just started going to going to events and trading people random objects for poems. And and by this point, I'm not doing drugs or drinking anymore. So it was all about like the random quirky objects that people would find in the on themselves or find around the event and bring to me and. Um yeah, I just ended up with a huge loot bag full of like random goodies and um a lot of fun memories and new connections, I guess.
0: What's the most random thing that um yeah, someone's brought to you?
1: Oh. Damn, people ask me this all the time and I just go blank. So I should really like sit down and like think about it just so I can prepare an answer next time. But, uh, yeah, I guess what's popping in my head right now is somebody like made this jewelry. They made like cigarette jewelry. It looks like a cigarette, like a, like a, like a cigarette butt necklace. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty random. You don't really see cigarette butt (laughs) necklaces all the time. Um, but there's been heaps of stuff. Actually, this other woman gave me, this is one of my favorite gifts and I've actually still got this jar on my altar. Um, it's a jar of coffee beans, but that's not what she said. And when she found me at the event, she knew I was going to be there. So she prepared her gift from home. Like she was like, all right, what am I going to give him? I want a poem. And it it wasn't like a spontaneous on the spot occurrence for her. It was like a premeditated, I'm going to find this poems for trade guy. And I'm going to give him this random gift. And what she decided to give me was a jar of coffee beans, but she like got in character and invented a whole story about them. And she's like, uh, these are Peruvian wishing beans. I found them in 2010 on my trip to Peru where I trekked through the Peruvian jungle and up the Peruvian mountains and I sought out this shaman who directed me down through the waterfall and all of this stuff where I found these Peruvian wishing beans. And it's a whole jar full of Peruvian wishing beans and the way you use them is you like you hold them to your shoulder and you throw them over your shoulder as you make a wish and there's about like 300 in there. So that's 300 wishes and she traded that for a poem and I thought that was a, a epic bargain for me because 300 wishes for one poem that takes me a couple minutes is pretty good how many
0: wishes have you used
1: Uh, I'm 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 a bit of a hoarder I get that from my mum so uh, (laughs) I'm waiting for wisdom to strike me like lightning before I start wasting wishes I think uh you know once I reach exactly once I reach enlightenment (laughs) then I'll know what to do with them
0: amazing um what's kind of I guess yeah, ISO's come and it's stopped events happening, and yeah, you probably can't do perms for trade even during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have you been up to? What's what's that kind of meant for you? Because I know for most people in events, it has ground things to a halt. But has have you given birth to anything new? Is it more planning for next year?
1: Um, there has been a little bit of planning, a little bit of like fine tuning with the doco, and yeah, perms for Trade's just kind of taken a stop. But um, I guess the biggest thing that's birthed out of ISO for me and kind of like my main focus and priority at this point in my life is, um, yeah, I've re- I released some hip hop. And uh, that is something that I've wanted to do my whole life. Like ever since I was about nine or 10, when I first decided like I loved rap and, you know, kind of got inspired in that way from my older brothers and probably, probably started off as an attempt to impress my older brothers like they liked rap so I will write raps and that just developed into a real love and passion for me which I've picked up and put down throughout my life as I went through different phases and um, it's kind of been the one uh, ongoing and consistent um, passion for me or, or dream And yeah, I I remember as a kid listening to Tupac CDs or Eminem just lying in my room like hanging off every lyric like it's the gospel and just like dreaming of the way that I will change the world and inspire people when I'm older or even at that age, I I, I thought I was going to do it at that age even to just like release songs and release um, hip hop music. So that's something that I, you know, throughout my life have kind of like kicked myself for not doing because I've always believed that I've got the talent and I've got the skills and I've got the things to say that I should be doing it. But I've also just never pushed myself to go and record anything. So over the last couple of years, I've reconnected with that in a huge way. And I've re- written a lot of new songs and I've been, you know, recording a bunch of them and in the process of getting them ready to put out to the world. But when Corona happened, I um I felt, and this is often the way it works for me, when there's a bit of time pressure, um, that's when I, I really create. It's kind of like... To be a bit cheesy, it's like how like diamonds are created under pre- um, huge amounts of pressure. It's like when when there's like a oh shit, if I want to make a song about corona, I need to get it out quickly because the hype is going to die down. And so I felt this like yep. urgency to like complete this song with these lyrics that were just coming from somewhere and coming out of me. I was like, oh, I need to like get this done ASAP. So like I really like cracked the whip, and and reached out to the right people to help me create this track which is called Corona Season and um, and filmed a video clip all in one day and just put it out in the world. And that's kind of like being the, all right, here I am ready to go. I'm doing rap now. um, And yes, yeah, it's, it's been a huge part of what I've done during Corona season is just focus on um, creating the online platform for me to you know, shoot my music out of, and um, connecting with producers through Instagram who wanna wanna make more music with me, and writing and finishing tracks. And um, yeah, I'm actually going to record another song tomorrow with a guy Amazing. that I, with a guy that I've never actually met who reached out on Instagram and actually lives like right around the corner from my childhood house where this dream of rapping started. And he lives on the street of a producer that i met when i was nine years old playing basketball um just like talking to this older guy like oh yeah i rap and trying to be all cool and then this guy was like oh cool and he like started to try and make songs with me and then um true story is i got a bit spooked and was like why does this older guy want to hang out with me and i go, you know <laughs> the fear the fear got injected into me because of like all the shit that you hear about in the world and sadly like that kind of um that relationship ended but it's just, it feels like a bit of a spin out that I'm now going back to that same street that this person lived on to make a song with another person. Um, so that feels a bit like, uh, I don't know. The
0: universe is pushing you in a certain direction.
1: Totally. Totally. It really feels real. And the way I found out that he lives there is he sent me his CD and on the back of the envelope, it had the return address and it said Marriott street, um, in my old area. And I was like, Whoa, that's, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the big, big thing that's going on for me. And also, like you know, the Hammock Temple has been so fulfilling in um, the realization of dreams and like showing showing to me that I can really achieve something if I really go for it. And also in the way that it's like it's helped me grow towards manhood by um, having to step into the role of a person that provides such a service as the Hammock Temple. It's really matured me in a big way. But this dream of like being a rapper is something I've carried with me since childhood. So it's like, it's fulfilling all these different, um, time periods inside of me. Like there's, it's, it feels like, you know, the whole idea of like time being linear or not, or not linear, it feels like I'm all of the characters I've ever been. And I'm all the characters that I'll be in the future as well, right here and now. And this like rap thing is just like, it's just scratching so many itches from so many different periods of my life. And, um, and it's like, I'm, I'm really doing myself a huge service by, Realizing something like that and and going for it, so yeah, it feels really exciting.
0: Yeah, wicked. And is that under Pat Holmes or what's the what do people need to look for if they want to go and give it a listen?
1: Well, my 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 artist name is Esky, like E S K Y. Um, some people ask me why, and I say because an Esky is a little cooler, and um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a Great, that's a line it. I've been using for years because I've been known as Esky for years. Because growing up, I was. Um, I was into hip hop growing up and part of hip hop is graffiti and esky was my graffiti word um, for a period when I was younger and that like kind of nickname just stuck and and people all throughout every circle that I've um, traveled through is, have kind of called me esky and that kind of name has followed me even to the doof scene where people I've, you know, didn't know me then call me esky because somehow that's like caught on it so it just followed me around. So yeah, I thought I'd, I'd use that as my my artist name, considering I've already like kind of created the brand throughout my whole life, um, at least since I was a teenager. But uh, if you want to find me online, um, the the at or the uh, the link is eskwizard, so eskwizard, which is a bit of a play on words because it sounds like exquisite. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Es- well,
0: you you know poems for trade. You are a man who is very good with words, obviously. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like to hope so.
0: Well, it sounds like you've got exciting things ahead of you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the work that you do through Hammock Temple and Poems for Trade is very much in service of others. So Mm. I think it's great that you've got a project now which is very much kind of living your childhood dream. Mm. Um, Who knows, maybe even you know the hammock temple uh, stage could uh, act mm. as a platform for you at some point you can curate yourself into um a little moment at a festival and and share some of your um rap and hip hop as well
1: yeah i've Maybe. been dreaming that one too
0: well uh, it sounds like you don't need those uh, wishing beans it sounds like everything's <laughs> just happening for you anyway with the universe um i think we've literally covered everything i mean you've got so much going on creatively and uh, yeah, just thank you for being you and bringing so much to festivals um, for people in very different shapes and forms. Um, unless there's anything else that you would like to share, um, I think we can pretty much wrap it up there.
1: Mm, um, yeah, nothing nothing pops to mind else that I want to share other than yeah, just extending my gratitude to you, Vicky, for having me and for... For staring at your your cup with my sticker on it and um and hearing the hearing the call, um, yeah, yeah, I got to say I was like I was kind of surprised when you reached out at first, and then you know I just thought about it. I'm like this is actually really cool. Like if if anything, just an opportunity to refresh and go over my own story with someone, and um, yeah, I just feel honoured and flattered that uh that you feel that are, are my story is worth listening to. So yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well, I think that everybody in all shapes and forms you know is what make festivals happen and you know they're the places that we've loved and wanted to go to for uh, you know from a young age and i think um, it's great for people to understand the intention behind things and how they've come about and hopefully that can inspire someone you know they might have an idea whether it's sat in a hammock or sat on a tree at a festival or something Mm. and you know they may you know, hearing this story might make them go, actually, maybe I need to back myself and push forward with that idea. Mm. So I think, yeah, every story can impact somebody in a different way. So mm. hopefully that's what this podcast will do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, yeah, that's, um. I guess that will be my like, what, what I want to say or what I want to add is... Yeah, I agree. Like we all have something so remarkably special to offer, and it just—it just takes us believing in in our inner voice and like hearing hearing our ideas and giving them the time to breathe and um, allowing them to come out, and so. Yeah, recently in an experience, I really started hearing the words just back yourself, just back yourself. And that's kind of like my message to the world now. And it's kind of like, I think that I find that more attractive than anything else is if someone truly is backing themselves and believing in themselves. And regardless of what they're trying to create with that, if they're backing themselves, like I'll sign up. Like, so yeah, message yeah. to anyone who's listening that feels inspired by this or inspired by. By just that that idea just yeah just back yourself and go for it because um you know you're not going to regret trying and if you do fail at, at whatever the attempt is like you're going to learn from that and you know have have more tools equipped for the next one so just keep keep it up exactly. and I, I like to call it nike wisdom just do it
0: <laughs> just do
1: it
0: yeah yes. i love it and and you know to your point it's If you back yourself, somebody else is going to look at you and back you as well Mm. because if you don't believe in yourself, like it's probably harder for somebody else to. So Mm -hmm. you've always got to have that little oomph in you. Yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, just do it. Great one to end on. Mm. (laughs) Amazing. All right, well, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, that's a wrap.
1: No worries, Vicky.
0: Thanks for tuning into Creative Connectors. Hopefully you enjoyed the chat. If so, please subscribe, share with friends, support the community and tune into the next one.